1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to New Books in African American Studies, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm Adrian King, co host of the channel. Today, we'll be talking to Aisha Schillingford and Terry Marshall about Wakanda Dream Lab's new anthology, Black Freedom Beyond Borders Reimagining Gender in Wakanda. Um, welcome to the show, you two. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. It's so great to have y'all on. Um, I was first wondering if you could start by telling us a little bit about um, each of you and kind of um, Where you've been, what projects you've been a part of, um, and the work that you do currently.
2: Okay, I'll I'll start. Um, This is Aisha.
1: Yeah, I well,
2: I'm. I live in Brooklyn, New York, and have been uh, living here for about two years. Um, Before that, was living in Boston, Massachusetts, Um, for a long time. um, Went there for college after growing up in Trinidad and Tobago in the Caribbean. Um, Went to Boston for college. Um, and spent most of my life, uh, my adult working life as a community organizer um, and movement builder, um, involved in um, community organizing both locally in Boston, nationally with Muslim community. Um, and became really interested in movement building and shifting from campaigns and winning on issues to shifting structure, shifting culture, um, large scale transformation. Um, and, you know, sort of was involved in a lot of different spaces within within movements and then started really missing the part of me that was like the artist, the creative, um, got more really interested in using arts and culture as a way to uh, shift, uh, shift our systems and um, found my way to uh, a group called Intelligent Mischief that we're both part of um, and have been doing um, arts and culture-based Organizing and movement building and culture shifting. uh, Since then, um, while working a day job as a a director of strategy and innovation at Movement Strategy Center.
3: I'll jump right in, uh, this is Terry. Um, So I'm uh, currently also live in Brooklyn. Uh, I my family's from Barbados. uh, They immigrated to the U.S. uh, to New York City, then to Boston, and I was raised, born and raised in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, and I got involved, I went to a Muslim school for first, eighth grade that instilled a lot of, um, uh, black pride and, um, also like some, actually the concept of organizing in my young mind. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I ended up going to a high school, which, an uh, alternative high school, which, um, also the principal, the teachers also were kind of radical. And so like, this just put me on a path where I got involved in youth, youth organizing at like 17 to 18. Uh, got, then I got involved with like community organizing, labor organizing, political prison organizing. I've been doing stuff for like 20 years or so. Um, cause I started young and, uh, I eventually, uh, created I, out of a lot of my experiences with different types of organizing. I, um, created Intelligent Mischief in 2014, 20, 2013, 2014. Um, and the idea was to create, I always involve, uh, I wanted to move more to like culture shifting and not just what was typical organizing. And I always incorporate arts and culture because I just thought that was the better way of, like, attracting people, but also, like, shifting society. And But what I saw with typical organizing was, um, what, uh, I saw some of these aspects being ignored. Not just ignored, but I saw a lot of people who had creative ideas sometimes get shut down. And I thought what was needed was, like, people to have room to experiment. So I thought of Intelligent Mischief as a, a lab, a crave lab, where we could experiment with these different uh culture shifting ideas. Um we've since then shifted we still like do experiments it keeping that spare of a lab, but we shifted to being a crave studio uh for the movement. Um and yeah, just from there, uh met Aisha um <laughs> create wonderful, beautiful projects together, uh some projects in the past, Black Body Survivor Guide, um and up to the current initiative that we're doing with um other colleagues is the Wakanda, Wakanda Dream Lab, where we're kind of like fusing pop culture fandom with, uh, social justice.
1: Yeah. And can y'all, um, thanks for sharing that. Can y'all say more about Wakanda Dream Lab, um, and maybe talk about some of the other projects, um, that it does as well.
2: Yeah. I mean, so we started Wakanda Dream Lab back in November, 2017. we have been like hearing wind, um, definitely by then had got confirmation of the, um, Black Panther movie about to be released. And we're, like, really excited about its potential. We actually couldn't believe that Marvel was going to re- release that movie. Um, <laughs> we like, do, they, do they know what they're doing? And I'll say, like, sort of confidentially, because it's on the podcast, they actually don't know what... didn't know what they were going to <laughs> release in that regard and still don't understand how and what happened um, in terms of the re- response of the fans. But, um... Yeah, so we, we started off um, really just with like our friends, um, Rufaro and, and Calvin, who we met through um, doing work with Movement Strategy Center around, um, around just transition. Um, we, we were like, what can we do with this movie? What can we do? And we started talking about, um, you know, maybe we can help people find each other because we know a lot of folks want to do all Black viewings. And so we created, like, a Facebook page where people could just post, like, where they were organizing all-Black viewing um, in the opening week of the movie. Um, And just supported people to, like, find all-Black viewings, like, in their town or in nearby towns around the country. Um, And then we had the idea of doing a a con. We wanted to do a gathering where people, after seeing the movie, could come together and just kind of, like... Mainly like bask in in the experience of the movie and maybe talk about its potential, um, you know, for shifting um, shifting narratives and developing innovative ideas. Um, so we formed Wakanda Dream Lab to do those things. And the day before the movie was was going to come out, we were like, you know, maybe we can provide a reading guide um, that mm. because we thought, you know, some people are old school fans of Black Panther, like through reading the comic books. But some people are really new, like they just know there's going to be a movie that has like a 99% Black cast that's about this Black country that's never been colonized, where people have never been enslaved. And so a lot of new fans to the movie. Um, So we wanted to provide a reading guide that both introduced the Black Panther canon um, and the world of Wakanda to new fans and also help people um, bridge to um, social justice issues, issues of activism. Because we thought, okay, everyone's going to be talking about this movie afterwards. And why not support mm. some of our colleagues in being able to bridge um, conversations related to Blackness in this society and around the globe through the through the lens of this movie. So we issued a, re, a viewer's guide on uh, Medium, like the day before the movie. And then I think Rufaro had the idea um, to do an anthology subsequently. So we did an initial anthology, which was called Black Freedom Beyond Borders. Um, a Wakanda immigration anthology. And in that, we were asking the question, what if Wakanda opened its borders to everyone in the African and Afro-descendant diaspora? Like how would Wakanda deal with that issue? And, you know, kind of tapping on some of the themes of the movie, but also connecting it to the issue surrounding migration, immigration, and the border um, in the U.S. And, you know, just trying to raise the visibility of migration as a Black issue. Um, and not just a Central American issue. Um, yeah. So that was a that, that was our uh, first anthology. We've done a couple of other projects.
3: Within what country? Where? Yeah. So, um. Oh, we. <laughs> I'm to remember. I was like, yeah. What was <laughs> we <doing?" laughs> um, well, we've developed uh, one project. I think has been really fruitful out of the initiative. Has been. Uh, we we designed a workshop. Um, which we've done at different conferences and for different organizations and groups. Where we kinda of take design thinking and world building and use as a use world build as a design methodology and use the world set by Black Panther. Um and we ask people like, okay, like we we do all these methods to place people in the world of Black Panther. And then we say, Okay, you are who you are, like you're working on um poverty, you're working on school education or some other social issue. Imagine that in Wakanda, you know. Um, and we had people, like, go through this whole process where they actually prototype the thing they would build. Like, if they was doing this issue of Wakanda, what it would be like, and not just work on the issue, but, like, how it would be achieved, right? Saying that, like, Wakanda Wakanda is somewhat of this utopia, you know, for a lot of folks. So it's, like, an easy way to be, like, what if you, you know, what's the highest level of the thing you want to do? And, um, and people come out with, like, prototype, and then we say, like, okay, so now how would you do that in the real world? And a lot of people, like, Love that workshop, where they they're like, yeah, they it helps them un, un unlock their imagination and look at their issue in a different way or their social project in a different way. So we we've done that workshop cross country and and also in um in in uh, London, um and so we've done the anthology, we've done that. Uh, what else we've done?
2: There's the exhibit in
3: Oakland. <laughs> oh, the exhibit. Sorry, we have a, um our our colleague Calvin Williams. Um, he's holding down right now. Um we have an artist residency in Betty Ono art gallery in downtown Oakland, uh, from August of this year till December end of this year. Uh, where we're, we're creating a physical Wakanda dream lab there, uh, for this entire time. So it's an exhibit. It has artwork that's from done by Aisha. uh, That's in the first anthology about immigration. And, um, it also has a, a theme about um, re- uh, surrounding um, James Baldwin's uh, "The Fire, The Fire Next Time," uh, where we do a recreation of James Baldwin's office, but also the themes like from the Afrofuturism of uh, Wakanda and some of the words and messages from um, James Baldwin. Um, so that's that's currently right now. If people are in, in Oakland you can go downtown Oakland, Betty Odo Gallery the a Black women-owned gallery. Um, and we are residents right there, so it's the physical lab, there's the anthology, there's the workshops um and other things we're working on,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. um, y'all are amazing. <laughs> those projects sound amazing um, that's great, so I wanted um to take a step. I don't know if it's back, but so why Wakanda um what makes Wakanda a special place to begin thinking about kind of all of these other issues? um and i'm curious also how y'all think about wakanda as like a malleable space so first what makes wakanda special and secondly why does it make um or how is wakanda make a good place to think about things differently or think about a site where it can be changed
3: i'll, I'll take a first crack at it because <laughs> i think whatever Aisha's going to say is going to be much more magnificent <laughs> <laughs> But, I, I, so, you know, for me, I'm one of those, like, when I used to, like, there's some of the old school fans who collected the comics, I'm one of those people. Like, I've been a comic collector and fan since I was five, Um, starting with X-Men. And once you get into comic, you know, you start to learn about all the other characters. And I really soon found out about Black Panther. And, you know, his comic has always been on and off. Like, Marvel discontinued it or put it back on, or they'll use the character in different comics. But um, I always kept track of it because that just, it just blew my mind. It always blew my mind of, um, you know, the Black Panther and Wakanda specifically. Um, like, it asks the ultimate, I, I think for our folks, our people, the ultimate what if question. What if we would never colonize? What if we were never enslaved? What would we do? And I always remember, like, in fifth or sixth grade in school, um, me and some friends collectively had this question. Like, we was learning about history. We was learning about history in Africa. And we asked the teacher, like, do you think if we were never enslaved that, I don't know, we would have invented the refrigerator? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and the teacher was like, huh. Like, you know, at first it was puzzled, But it was like, we was asking. It's funny to reflect on that. I was like, man, we was asking this really deep question. Like, we had these questions as kids. Like, man, like, how much did that interrupt our, our people? You know? Like, time, like timeline-wise, you know, and what, you know, because we're just taught, we're just ultimately taught that, like, oh, as as Black people, as other people, kind like, you're nothing, or, you know, you know, white supremacy is in full effect in all aspects of society, so you're just taught in a, even subtle ways that you're inferior. But when you understand the history, then you're kind of like, wait, what if? It, notwithstanding, like, the greatness we have achieved, right, Despite in spite of that. So... Um, to have a storyline, this, like, character, superhero character, where you actually, I think the superhero strength comes from the what if of, like, we were never colonized. Where we just left naturally to, like, be the greatest we can be. Like, it's ultimate form of Black excellence and manifestation. So, I think that is what is captured the attention, like, from just comic fans to, like, then just being released on the screen to, like, a vast wider audience that grabbed people's attention. And I, I knew like, I, I didn't, I couldn't predict like how big the movie would be or the effect, but I knew there was something people saw Wakanda, like in like real life on the screen, you know, um, that it would like people lose their minds. We just never seen anything like that. And the visual image of the visual image of that and how that unlocked the imagination of people, I think is, um, what just what like caught fire, you know? And then it allowed everyone to, by asking that what if, it allowed people to imagine so many more different things. And you see the reactions of how people came out. And I think that, um, yeah, I, I just think that's the that's the root of it. And, like, I think w- we've took that and, uh, we, you know, recognizing that it actually comes from a what if, that, like, we could keep asking that question. So then we could change it. We could take the story. We could build it. And people did. We was taking people we are taking the lead from the people like people like saw the movie the movie didn't even come out and people were already making comparisons to um coming to america right um mm-hmm. which is like people was like the last time we saw like a fictional africa like you know general africa on screen that like was oh fu- supposed to be like full glory right like it has critiques but still like oh it's like all these wonderful things The the imaginary africa you know And people already made those connections or people are already the way they dressed up coming to the theater. They were already adding to the story and changing it. So we was like, people are hip to this. Like we could keep adding this. What if, and we could make expand the story. If we have critiques of it, then we could change it. We could like keep adding to it ourselves. I'll be quiet. I think, um,
2: one thing that I'll add is just, you know, for, I'm I'm the other type of fan, which is like the person who like the movie is coming out, and I was like, oh, oh, okay, cool, that sounds amazing, and let me dig in. Therefore, into the world building, I think almost the way the um, story has been written, I think because it's been written iteratively, like kind of like the baton has been passed over years. Um, it, it's sort of the very nature of that story is that someone new is always writing the continuing to write that world. Um, so I feel like we we can just you know sort of be in that tradition
1: um
2: and then i think there's something about um you know how you see the world both in the comics and in the movie you're really seeing a very small subset of the world but the world that they have built when they describe it you know there's this like wider expanse you know there's the border tribe and there, there must be more to that society and there must be more to the jabari tribe and there must be more to you know each tribe and what exists outside of the city because the, the movie and the, and the comics do tend to zone in on the city or the um, story tends to zone in on the central characters of T'Challa and the Dora Milaje and, and sort of his, you know, T'Challa's family. And so you you know that the society is bigger than that. So it actually gives you a lot of freedom to imagine what's going on with everyone else besides them, which is a lot of what all the stories in both anthologies are about or like other people other than the, Central characters. So I think it offers that opportunity for you to like fill out the rest of the world. And then I think what it does, which is really great, is that even though it's something of a utopia, it's a very realistic utopia. Like there's not perfection. The central characters are flawed. And there's something about even Tashala's reluctance as a leader that, you know, he's always kind of wondering, like, well, how could it be different so that I, I don't, do I have to be the leader to be the panther? Can I be the panther but not the leader? Can I be the leader but not the panther? Can I just be? A free person who's like in love with Storm or whoever, like um <laughs> you know. So I think like his vulnerability and his his kind of doubt is actually really freeing for the rest of us because he's not he's not holding like the story and the world with um any with authoritarianism. Like he's kind of himself ambivalent about it. Um, and himself breaking a lot, some of the rules of it. Um, so I think like. You know, it, it allows, I think that's what allows for, for me for that malleability, like in the story, there's so much of the world that's unseen that you can say like, you know, this is one of the ways we describe the book or when we t- were talking to some of the editors and, and and authors, it's like, well, we didn't see this thing in the movie. You know, a lot of folks were like, we heard there was going to be a queer story in the movie because mm-hmm. it was in the comics. It was in particularly in Roxanne Gay's uh, World of Wakanda series. Um, and people were like, well, we didn't see the story, but we still believe that Wakanda is affirming of queer identity um, and, you know, loves this this relationship, if they weren't Dora Milaje. <laughs> um, you know? So people still believed in the capacity of the place to actually hold their version of utopia, even if it wasn't represented in the uh, central story.
0: slash nbn50 to get 50% off.
1: That's great. And so y'all's first anthology focused on immigration. Um, Can you talk a little bit about how and why you shifted to thinking about gender and sexuality and kind of, um, yeah, what questions you wanted to ask around kind of Black gender and sexuality and around um, and within Wakanda?
2: Yeah. So I would say that the idea of focusing on specific issues or areas of activism or areas of movement building was, uh, was the idea of our colleague Rufaro. Um, And she really, she was working at the time in power, California. Um, She she still sort of works at power, California. Um, And, you know, their work was immigration primarily. um, And she was like, you know, like we should really like align our work with specific issues. I think it will help us sort of narrow because we can do a lot of our work very broadly and kind of like, you know, be, you know, it's, it becomes a little bit too amorphous, um, and so she had suggested the issue of immigration because it was uh, near the height of, of uh, the current administration's attacks um, as the administration on on uh, people attempting to cross the border, um, and so that was why we did that. And then for gender, she is she and also are. Um, co-conceptualizers for the second uh anthology um alexis from the resonance network are both involved in um work to end violence against girls and women through move to end violence and the resonance network um and I, and you know i think i can't even remember what current issue was happening at the time And as mm-hmm. we were sort of coming off of the first anthology it might have been like you know the resurgence of like me too and um mm-hmm you know, the Kavanaugh uh, hearings when mm-hmm. Rufaro again was like, I think this next one should be about gender and it just felt really right. Um, and then we were like, yeah, and you know, gender is a, is another theme um, that exists in, in Wakanda in general, in Black Panther, in, in the movie in particular, and was certainly something that fans were really excited about. And it would be interesting to explore more of that, given that people were hoping to see The um, relationship between the two Dora Milaje and didn't didn't see it and it was actually I think it was in the script and then through editing it it didn't end up there and so we decided um, let's focus on gender um, bring in some of the questions that folks are asking in the move to end violence um, that folks are asking in the Resonance Network Um, and you know we started thinking like you know like we want to hold an issue lens and and you know at, at the same time hold a transformation systems transformation lens and we were like oh, this issue of borders and binaries is actually very similar. Um, you know, and, and that, you know, the idea, both ideas stem from a form of, of patriarchy um, mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, confining people to, to roles or places or identities, um, you know, that are in many ways both constructs. Um, and so, we yeah, we wanted to extend this idea of beyond borders to the idea um, of gender and just explore a little bit like what is gender like in Wakanda and it was a little less obvious and so it felt like a little more juicy um, we were like okay we see familiar <laughs> things familiar things like women are powerful mm-hmm. um, but it's also appears to be a relatively for, all we, for what we can tell Wakanda appears to be a somewhat patriarchal society so how are they navigating gender you know and we, a lot of I think a lot of our stories count on the Dora Milaje to be the ones that are subverting uh, gender, um, you know, or what? what's the relationship between gender and colonialism, you know, and what is an uh, African society that hasn't been colonized? Like, how does it shoot with, with gender if we think that, gen- that gender or some of the constructs of gender are inherently colonial? Um, yeah, so we just thought it was really juicy to, like, dig into that and, and to, like, push ourselves, too, to address the breadth of that, to not really... T- treat with gender just as an uh, issue of uh, women's empowerment, but to think about gender identity, to think about how to invite trans and gender non-conforming people into into the storytelling and into the um co-creation of of the expanding the utopia of Wakanda, so to
1: speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um that's really great. And I have to say I really love I love this project. <laughs> um and I really enjoy um reading it. Um, I was wondering if, if y'all could tell us um, maybe about the step-by-step of the process of putting this anthology together, um, from how you selected the pieces, kind of put out a, a prompt for it, um, to ultimately publishing it online and the kind of significance of um, the accessibility um, of this book.
2: Yeah, I mean, so one of, our, one of our particular caveats is that we, for this particular book, convened such a, a large, robust team that I really wish like more of them were here to speak to their part of the process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it started off with um, uh, us and Calvin and Rufaro and Alexis from resonance network sort of saying together, like what if we collaborated um, to create this second anthology um, about gender? And, you know, it took a couple of months of just like trying to get into the same room at the same time to figure out, how do we have a conversation of, about collaboration that feels collaborative, you know, like it doesn't feel transactional. Um, and then we, Rufaro and I sort of wrote up a concept for it. Um, and so the concept, you know, how we were extending this idea of borders to the idea of binaries and what it is we were trying to explore in terms of gender. And, you know, she definitely brought in this idea that Wakanda is a black society, is also an indigenous society. It's an African indigenous society, which is really compelling um, given the, re- um, heightened return to indigenous practices across the globe right now. So how do we treat with the idea of indigeneity as well? Um, and connected to, um, indigenous people's movements here. Um, so we wrote up a concept and then we like got really like wonky, like budgets <laughs> and like what would, it <laughs> what would it take to produce this, um, as much within our values as possible, meaning like we wanted to, we wanted to compensate people for their stories. Um, we wanted to compensate artists. We wanted to compensate the editors. We wanted to make sure that the editors who joined us were reflective of the types of stories we were trying to tell, um, and the types of uh, stories we wanted to um, invite. So we wanted to make sure that that uh, that that essentially that trans and gender non-conforming people were involved in the editing process, um, in particular. Um, and that indigenous people were involved in the editing process as well. Um, and then we put out a series of calls. We were like, kind of like expanding the team. And so we needed, um, the support of a project manager. So we, um, hired, uh, Kasimira Carter Howard to play that role. You know, we needed an amazing like social media team because the, to be honest, the first anthology, we just winged it. It was like four of us, like mm-hmm. you know, we asked some of our friends, can you write stories? Like you can we basically can we use your name <laughs> to like <laughs>
3: you know um, night editing, writing.
2: Editing, writing, creating art. Um and so for this one we were like, okay, let's expand, let's let's spread the work out a little bit, but also include more people in the process. Um so we, we did a project plan, we hired a project manager, we hired a social media team, um, everyone stipended. Um, you know, at some point along the way, I was like, I'm, I'm too busy to be like super involved beyond this point. So I kind of stepped back a little bit and other folks were holding like meetings with the project team. Um, I helped design the call to call for, um, for work. And we did, a, we did do an open call this time, um, whereas the first time we, we reached out to specific people. Um, this time we wanted to do an open call and just kind of test, like what's the difference when we open this up to other folks that we don't we happen to not know, um, and see who's excited about it and who we can ex- you know extend community to, um, and I would say like the whole process probably took us about four to five months this time um, after putting after putting all that together and then putting out the call. Um, and then in the meantime, we had the social media team helping to, um, just expand our reach a little bit, particularly on Instagram so that when we put it out, like we would have, um, you know, good traction. Um, and then the editors reviewed the call, we, we, we brought in editors, they reviewed the call to make sure that, you know, it would make sense for communities that they would send it to. Um, then we sent it out and like crossed our fingers, hoping that people would respond.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, not really sure um and folks responded um and then rufaro and the editors and and alexis and and casemiro like went to town like just editing and i would say like my experience from first anthology this one is like rufaro as a lead editor is extremely attentive editor so she really like works to support writers to like for their writing to really say what they're trying to say in their story and so she's very uh hands-on and very supportive and gives really great feedback. So I hope that, you know, for those who receive feedback through the editing process that they feel like, you know, that they got something out of it in terms of their writing um, in addition to the stipend. And um, and then the editors um, sort of started like, you know, choosing and like, that was a really involved and like emotional process for them, like to figure out, you know, are there stories that just, we just feel like aren't ready for this particular printing and would need more work beyond their timeline and you know try to get as many stories as possible into the printed version um and then started creating sections and like that's a really beautiful process too to like have the sections respond to the pieces um and this is something else that did last time as well which is to like sort of read through every single story and say what what you know, almost like what family does this story belong to within the constellation (laughs) of stories? Um, And to group them and to find the right names for the section that sort of reflects different themes. Um, And then we had a beautiful um, graphic designer named Amir Khadar, who uh, is at uh, the Maryland Institute of Contemporary Art. And they are an amazing Afrofuturist artist, just doing beautiful, like, luxurious, like, rich... um, Collages. So all of the collage work, the, sec- the section breaks in the book are um And the cover are designed by Amir. And then we included some, um, the art. Um, we had some visual artists respond as well. So Camila, Khadija Jamila, and Max Glover responded with artworks um, to the call. And so their work is in the book as well. And Amir put everything together. Um, and then we, had, you know, we wanted to release the book. I think last week of September. And then we had to delay the release in order to like finalize the layout and get everything um uploaded to the website. And it, it actually is fortuitous because we released it October late October 1st, but October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes so much sense that it would be released then. And you know, the last one we worked on it through Black August and released it right at the beginning of last September. And so this one being released during Domestic Violence, mm-hmm. Violence Awareness Month, I think, is is fortuitous. Um, Yeah, so that's what the process has been like so far and then just sharing it like as far and as wide as possible and just like watching like the downloads like kind of roll in and like (laughs) who's reading this, like who's resonating with this. And, um, you know, I think now we're like, you know, um, speaking about it, trying to connect it to other people. I think um, some of our colleagues like Calvin is trying to think about how to like, incorporate the visuals from it into the current exhibit in Oakland. And then eventually we're going to do um, like a debrief process to kind of like, um, you know, con- you know like affirm and congratulate each other to like learn what we would do differently uh, next time, um, you know, to understand how this informs the rest of our work um, and kind of reintegrate any lessons into our overall, overall process.
1: That's great. Um I wanted to jump back to talk about the sections and the themes um that are in the book um and I was hoping we could just go kind of section by section and talk a little bit about um yeah what what themes are in there or how those themes and that section fit into kind of the larger project um The first section is writing wrongs um tell us a little bit about um the themes in that section
2: yeah it seems like writing wrongs is 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 Dealing with Wakanda's, it feels like Wakanda's attempts to eradicate the last vestiges of of patriarchy and misogyny and and gender-based violence. So the stories in that section are like sort of saying, you know, some violence does exist in in or around Wakanda. And these stories are about attempts by some of the most powerful people in Wakanda to eradicate um, some of that violence and sort of make it no longer a part of, of the society um so yeah all of those stories uh deal with that deal with wakanda sort of taking responsibility for existing uh violence either against uh women or against gender trans and gender non-conforming people
1: Mm -hmm. um section two is descendants of the dora milaje um what is that section about
2: so that section is sort of like given a society where the dora milaje are, are are powerful and are governing like what are what are you know, what are the types of young people and, and, and what's the culture that's being created in Wakanda as a result? Um, so what kind of society do you have where there are powerful women who are, you know, co-leading um, the society and creating a culture that, um, you know, that sees women's leadership as a, as a given and as a norm?
1: Um, the third section is loving self and others in Wakanda. Um, what is this section about?
2: So that's definitely about, like, relationships. Um, I think all kinds of relationships, people sort of relating to themselves as a queer person in Wakanda, relating to ancestors, accepting the love of their ancestors. Um, it's about um, love and sexuality and sexual attraction and feeling the freedom of that in, in Wakanda. Um, it's about uh, family and community and, and connection, essentially.
1: Um, and the fourth section is new leaders in Wakanda.
2: Yeah. So that section is really about change. I kind of see it as similar to the descendants of the Dora Milaje section, but maybe further into the future, um, of Wakanda, um, and sort of, uh, sort of describing like more of a transformational shift, um, in society, um, that really upholds the, the, the leadership of, of transgender, non-conforming people, queer folks, et cetera.
1: Hmm. Um. And the last section is beautifully whole in Wakanda.
2: I think that one is is definitely about um sort of self self identity and self and and sort of feeling like you know Wakanda as a, as a optimally safe space for people of all genders.
1: Do y'all have favorite pieces? Not that I want y'all to pick favorites, <laughs> but I'm curious um, if there are pieces in particular that stand out to you, or if you just want to say maybe just one or two pieces that um felt really memorable and important to in this anthology. As
2: would for me, like I really loved um You Embody Me. I mean, I loved all of them, of course, but You Embody Me by Lawrence Baroner was um, early, early on when we were like reading for editing. I just really loved the voice, because for me, it sounds just like Lawrence, like we know him, he's a close friend. <laughs> but the kind of like reflection and the ritual and the affirmation of ancestors is just something that I needed in the time. I think just, you know, his affirmation that like, oh, your ancestors love you. Your ancestors are here. Like this tarot reading is for the ancestors. It's not upside down. Like, um, I loved that. And then I was really appreciative of Butch by Issa uh, Woldegorges. Like, I just felt like that was an incredibly, like, brave and direct and, like, sensual story. And I was like, yeah, like, this is, like, their um, utopia. And I'm, you know, it was, like, one of the stories that we said, oh, you know, make, be careful of, like, young kids reading it. Um, because it was just dealing with, like, the raw, sort of honest, tender, like, sexuality and sensuality of a queer person. Um, enjoying their partner's body and like what they're thinking about, and I just appreciated like the honesty and openness of that story. Um, and I love all of them.
3: Wow. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm not choosing.
1: Oh, okay, okay.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, was like, I was like, oh, you me to you. I was like, no, no. They're really this one's so good. Like the, as a as a whole and um I mean the first one was excellent as well but this one is really good. I, I yeah I refuse to choose
1: <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's fair. <laughs> um so I want us to shift um to wrapping up our conversation and I think um y'all have articulated this really well but I guess maybe in a sentence or two um what do you want people to get out of reading this? Um, what do you want them to, to walk away with? Um, and also, who do you want to read this? Who do you think this is for?
3: Oh, man. <laughs> Another little crack at it. Um, uh, freedom. You know, that that's going to sound anecdotal, but you do want people to feel free. Um, I think there's something about Wakanda. We often say, like, people aren't so much fans of Black Panther as they are fans of Wakanda like Wakandas were really captured people's imaginations. So we just want to continue the world building off of that world um, to for people to become free, become free in their thought, become free in their imagination, um, and imagining breaking the, the stranglehold chains of different sets of oppression that exists in our real time right now. And we can imagine beyond that, then we can actually Of dismantle it in real life so we're just hoping these stories are like creating uh moments like creating new worlds and in moments of um moments of moments of freedom right and their thought if you could have those moments that keep expanding it um that's ultimate dream now that that may sound too like high and lofty but it's real you know there's there's scientific studies that when people are watching watching movies or reading stories their their brainwaves are the exactly the same as if they're experiencing something in real life so if we can actually create stories that create new worlds you can make those worlds real and that is the intention of of these stories um and we write these stories for uh for black folks every type of black folks you know um queer trans um cisgender every type of black folks we want no one left behind you know and that's the lessons we can learn from throughout black liberation it's like you know we it, we all can't be free unless we're all free so let's let's take that very seriously and that's how we we're continuing to like trying to write new stories with that in mind each and every time so you're going to see different issues taken up you're going to see different um ways of imagining freedom ultimately in the different as we continue this project
1: so, if a listener wants to read this book, um, tell us kind of um in a practical way how how does one get a hold of this book? Um, what are the websites um that someone can go to? Um, yeah, how to um, learn more about y'all?
2: Um, though so you can download the book for free at wakandadreamlab.com dot com forward slash Reimagine Gender. It's free download that we just ask only in exchange just to know who you are and if people don't want to say who they are we're really just trying to track how many downloads so Mm -hmm. we have had a couple creative people just put (laughs) something other than their name and email address you will still get to the download um (laughs) just saying I know I get it like surveillance culture is real so if folks don't want to put their own names that's totally fine but um that's how you get to download it And then we will be, um, if you follow us on Instagram at Wakanda Dream Lab, then we'll be announcing um, our process for um, distributing print copies. We're we're doing a limited print um, and we will be able to mail some copies uh, to folks upon request. um, And we'll be sharing about that on our Instagram. So folks can follow us at Wakanda Dream Lab on Instagram.
1: Okay, awesome, and we will link um to the book and y'all's website and the Instagram all in the, um, in the show notes. Um, what other projects do y'all have coming up? Um, do you want to plug anything, um, that folks can check out or they should stay tuned for?
2: Um, definitely, if they're in Oakland, just um pop into Ono Gallery, as Terry said earlier, and we'll probably be appearing at different um. Black and, and or Afrofuturist like cons and conferences and events um, in the near future. There's a, I, c- I think like this fall is like Black Con season. Uh, comic Con. <laughs> <laughs> uh, comic Festival, Comic
3: Expo. Um, so we try to just be present for all of those so we can
2: like, connect with other fans.
3: This, this weekend in Oakland, actually there's Afro Comic Con happening from Friday to Sunday. And I, we, have, uh, we have a panel Oh, yeah. um, in Oakland this weekend there and um, yeah I guess the there Black likewise Survival Guide mm-hmm. uh, soon very soon people will be on the lookout in February actually uh, we're gonna release another project through Intelligent Mischief called Black Body Survival Guide
1: okay awesome that's great. Um, I really hope that um, our listeners are able to check out y'all's work and follow it. Um, the very last thing that I wanted to do, because I realized while we were talking, the sheer number of people involved in this project, <laughs> um, and I wanted to give space for y'all to, to recognize them and name them too. Um, so maybe if we could just hold space for some shout outs, or if there's anyone y'all want to mention um, who are part of this project. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's so many people. We, we they're in the book as well, but we definitely want to shout out uh, Rufaro Guarada, um, Calvin Williams, uh, Alexis Flanagan, Casimira Carter Howard, uh, Sean Watkins, Asha Grant, um, the editors, um, Emmanuel Brown, Yasmin Eunice, um, all of the writers um and all the writers of black panther like honestly like and ryan coogler for creating a movie that was so so beautifully like Mm -hmm. told the story and made this possible i'm shouting them out because we'd love to like have a meal with ryan coogler
1: (laughs) All right. Well, thank you all so much, listeners. um, Please go check this out. It's really an amazing project. Um, And thank you to both for really making time um, to be on the show today and um, share about all the amazing work you've done and are doing.
2: Thank you so much. Thanks for the opportunity.
3: Thank you.